0: Welcome to Dishing with Stephanie's Dish, the podcast where we talk to people in the food space. Sometimes they're cookbook writers, sometimes they're book writers like our guest today, and sometimes they're people that are just obsessed with growing or producing food. I am here today and very excited because I love talking to people that have written books. And I'm here with Morgan Baum, and she is from Clay Coyote. And I recorded an episode with her on my Makers in Minnesota podcast sometime back. And she is a really fascinating person in her own right, so you should make sure that you follow the link in this podcast to that podcast because she talks all about these clay vessels that she makes, and she's a potter, for these um, special type of heating and grilling, and the pots are like none other So welcome to the program, Morgan. And can you tell me a little bit about like how you thought that I would enjoy talking
1: to Sylvie because you were so right? Well, thanks for having me, Stephanie. And um, like I said, we love having a conversation about food and travel and family. So this is a perfect uh, connection. We um, here in Hutchinson, Minnesota, like you said, we make pottery that you can cook with. Our tagline is... um, cooking is an art and we make art you can cook with. So um, a couple things that make us stand out from everybody else is that we have a specific type of pottery that can take high heat and go on an open flame. And then we also have another type of pottery that's designed for kind of that low and slow um, oven goodness for stews. So um, we we make um, a lot of pots that have very specific recipes that go with them. And we like to, we always say we like to sell pots and make people hungry. <laughs>
0: and you do. And one of the pots that you have, I know that we talked about this in the podcast is like perfect for making cassoulet.
1: Yeah. So for years I had to have a, a post-it note on my, on my door that said the pot is the cassole, and the recipe is cassoulet. <laughs> I would sometimes get them mixed up. So um, nobody's perfect, right? So a cassole is the vessel in which you make the, the stew, the French stew cassoulet. And, um, and it's a, it's a love affair with food, if you ask me, because it takes, most cassoulet recipes take three days and sometimes three months. If you, um, you know, preserve the duck confit yourself. And so, you know, it's, you don't just set out to make cassoulet on a, on a Monday morning and have it that, you know, that afternoon. It's something that you, you, you put a lot of time and thought and you order your, um, your beans and you order your, you call your butcher and get your duck. And it's, um it's, it's truly a dish that lends itself to a slow process. And then at the end of a dinner party, which I'm all about the dinner party.
0: Yeah. So you how did you meet sylvie uh, i should introduce sylvie sylvie bigar is our um author that's with us today she's a memoirist. she wrote the book cassoulet confessions and sylvie andrew zimmern wrote a really nice slug for the front of the book that says sylvie tripped my trigger i loved the journey she takes us on and Honestly, it's just this sweet little book that I can't wait to dig into. I'm only on page 15, but it's literally about how you became obsessed with cassoulet yourself.
2: Yes, that's right. It uh, started as a as a simple journey to cassoulet, and, uh, and it's changed my life. As food sometimes can in
0: the weirdest ways, right? Because you have family connections, there's nostalgia, there's hope, there's dreams, there's the trying to create the perfect dish. Then there's the community of the communal eating piece of it. How did you two get together? And Morgan, I'm assuming that you make a beautiful cassoulet
1: now, not the dish, but the cassole Yes. Well, Sylvie, do you want to talk about how we you first reached out to me? Absolutely.
2: So I was a big fan. Still, I am a big fan of a writer named Paula Wolfert, um, who. Uh, lives in Northern California and was the first food writer to write about the cuisine of Southwestern France. And on the cover of the book that she wrote, I think in the 70s, um, was a magnificent yellow pot that looked, um, you know, conical pot um, with obviously clay pot with a beautiful image. And I always look at that image and it always you know inspired me even though I knew because I'd been uh, already studying cassoulet and the different clay vessels that one should use or not use and I already knew that my particular imaginary ideal castle would not look like that but after I finished my memoir um, and we, we can really say that, uh, you know, Morgan may be doing things in slow food Well, I was definitely doing slow writing because it took me 10 years to write 154 pages. So just to tell you that, you know, good things come in due time. But when I finished that process, I uh, looked at the book, at Paula Wilford's book and found the name of Clay Coyote in Hutchinson, Minnesota. I had no idea where that was. Um, and I looked at their website and I saw all the amazing um, pots and clay objects that they do. And, you know, I just picked up the phone and called. And so I didn't funny. know if, if I was going to, you know, and I said, well, you may think I'm crazy, but this is who I am, a food and travel writer. I've written this, you know, small book about my obsession with cassoulet and where that obsession took me—quest to for identity, family, and culture. And Morgan was like, "Yeah, I love this. <laughs> I yeah, loved
1: we, it too. We got excited. We decided to design a pot together, so we made a special edition cassole for the release of the book." And it is um, very, it's it's modern, but a nod to the um, traditional one that Sylvie brought back from France with her. Um, and so, it's you know not everybody can travel to France and get a a eight pound clay vessel and <laughs> bring it back. Yeah. Um, and- And in Paula's book, she does talk about how she brought the one that Sylvie mentioned back on her lap on the airplane. And so not everybody wants that on their lap on the airplane. So we have a version that you can, um, that will arrive comfortably at your home for you. (laughs) So, um, and it's, you know, we kind of brought our whole team together to design it so that it would meet, you know, the needs of Sylvie's recipes that she lists in the book. And then also um, it still feel classic, but modern at the same time.
0: Sylvie, what is it about the cassoulet that captured your imagination and inspired the book?
2: Well, I mean, the question, this particular question was what drew me for all these years because I first went to Southwestern France. I was born in Geneva, so French is my first language, but I was working as a food and travel writer in 2008 in New York when I got an assignment to do a story to go to France, Southwest, near Toulouse, Carcassonne, and write about the history of the dish. Now, people may not be aware that um, supposedly this dish was invented or created in the 1300s. And so the editor-in-chief of Food Arts Magazine thought it would be fascinating for people to hear about its history. I thought, my kind of story. I'll hop up up to France and uh, and you know meet a few chefs, maybe eat a few beans, uh, look around, uh, learn to make duck coffee, and hop back. And in fact, what happened is that once I had the experience there that I describe in the book, that was much more than just you know gnawing something at the counter in the kitchen of a restaurant. It was just like an amazing. Um, sort of theater, uh, almost like a play uh, that, that happened to me. Once I had this experience, I couldn't shake it. I came back to New York and I wrote the story about the history of cassoulet. Then six months later, I thought, hmm, I wonder about which beans, what would happen if you used these beans and, and, you know, maybe chickpeas and all these other things. And I wrote about that. Then I wrote about uh, a travel story for the Washington Post about the area. Then I wrote a profile of the chef. And the years went by and people, you know, my friends were making fun of me. Like, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's all she knows how to do, you know. Like, What are you writing this week? And it's like, well. <laughs> and uh, And so after a while, after a few years, I realized that this had to be something else. And I was able to take a month off and go to a fabulous uh, writers retreat in the area there near Carcassonne. Uh, the The retreat is called La Muse, the Muse, and uh, and I sat there. and You know how we say in meditation. And I sat and I sat, and finally um, something happened. And I and I was able to write the first sentence of of you know the book. and And that's how it happened.
0: When you think about like cassoulet just and the laborious process and the joy that people get out of these individual labors, like from the, the growing of the specific type of bean to the sausage, uh, case-making to the duck and the handling of the duck and then the vessel, like it really is this super romanticized, lovely, story that looks like it could be way more than just a dish because isn't that kind of what happens when you eat food it like transports you to this other place
2: well it is more than a dish I mean in fact all of our sort of family recipes and I'm sure Morgan agrees they're all more than the dish they're all about where the ingredients came from how were they produced when was the first time you ate this dish? Who was at the table with you? What did they say? Were you sent to your room because you weren't <laughs> right? I mean, there's all these stories. Yeah. Um, and But what was interesting for me, and, and maybe that's why it took me so long, is that, yes, I was transported back into the dining room of my childhood after the first bite. But in my particular case, it didn't make any sense. Yeah. And I think, too,
0: the way that we wrap memories. So, I had a, I guess I would say I had a dysfunctional family. We probably all do, really, if you really embrace it. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, thinking about, I wrote a cookbook uh, that is somewhat memoir based too. And thinking about the food that we ate and the experience and the way I was feeling. So much of it is wrapped up in the taste, the smell, the where I was in those moments when I have those first bites of the thing. It's crazy. Like, I think for me, taste and smell is more of a scent and an emotional response to these memories than like seeing something. You know what I mean? Like, more than a picture. Like, I can smell a dish that can remind me of my grandma. And I can like really put myself right back as a little kid in my grandma's kitchen. And I thought that from what I've read in the book so far, and again, I've just dug in, but I'm getting that sense from you that you're really like putting us in these places based on your sense and taste memories.
2: Yes, but you may have already read on page five, chapter one, we (laughs) never ate cassoulet at Beauchamp, my Swiss childhood home about Lake Geneva. And that's where the sort of question mark came, because why is this doing this? You know, why is this dish feeling familiar when, you know, I was brought up in a completely different way?
0: Yeah. And, and I think, too, like when you travel, like and it's funny that you're a travel writer, too, because I kind of get that sense of place that you're creating for me that i think a lot of travel writers are really exceptional at and i love travel and i think i love travel because i love food to be honest like i think it's so intertwined in my brain about how i experience a place or a community or the people that you meet you know that is i i travel can kind of seem elite at times because it takes oh, sometimes money and opportunity and time off and vacation but If we lived like the Europeans where travel is just like the nourishment of their soul of bringing their culture into other cultures and experiencing other cultures, we don't really do that that much in America.
2: Yes and no. I mean, for example, I'm thinking about some of the pots that Morgan makes and that are actually from different cultures, Um, right? Mexican, Yes. you know, things like that. So I think that maybe travel has sort of permeated our lives in a way that maybe we don't even realize today.
0: It could be because you look at like in Mexico, they have the bean pot that they'll use, you know, for making their uh, their staple of beans. And then you look at like in Morocco, there's like the tagine, which is also based in there. there are these vessels and certainly like when you look at just the way they stored wine in Italy and Croatia and the Romans, and those were also, uh, vessels that were, it's, it's interesting that we're thinking about this apparatus. And now like we talk about gadgets, you know, like kitchen gadgets. When you think about making something like this, Morgan, does it feel like you're, like, how do you tie into that feeling that Sylvie had in the book of making something that's long lasting and so important in the centerpiece of her life?
1: Well, I, you know, making pottery is kind of a slow meditative process as well. Every piece gets, you know, from start to finish takes two or three weeks and gets touched 50 plus times. And, um, and we pour our, our heart into each piece, you know, it's not, um, manufactured, you know, just a, a, a little squeeze and a pot comes out. Yeah, it's, a cookie cutter. You know, yep. Yeah. And, you know, and we refer to our pottery as friends in your cupboard, you know, as, as, um, part, you know, not, they're not just, they're not just there to serve the food. They're part of the, the pro- they're part of the story and they're, um, they're kind of part of the, um, I don't know. When I go into my kitchen, I often have a dance party. And so like sometimes they're my dance partners, my pots are. And so I, I kind of think, you know, making a pot for, for Casolet that again is tied with Sylvie's book and tied with the story. And we're, we're getting the opportunity to travel all over the country and tell the story of, of Casolet and pottery and, and, and Sylvie's um, personal story. and, I just feel like the pot kind of is a, I don't know, a secondary um, character in the whole story. Yeah, too. for sure. <laughs>
2: you yes. know, best supporting actress, the pot. <laughs> so. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, just to give you an example, I am sitting now in Massachusetts. Um, tomorrow I'm going to Vermont. I have an event tonight, a conversation, and tomorrow as well. And uh, in the car is the cassole waiting for me wrapped up and all of that. And actually, I have uh, three cassals in the car right now. It's our travel and, partners.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it is funny because, you know, like, I guess if I think about other types of like kitchen apparatuses, like maybe a cast iron skillet could be, you know, a piece like that for families. For me, it's like my mom had this weird silver urn. That we, you know, we only bring out at holidays, but every time the urn comes out, I really get steeped in the feelings and thoughts of my mom. And, you know, this was like the fanciest thing they owned. So it feels also super humble in that she, like as a kid, just thought like, we're fancy because we have this big piece of silver, you know, that was played, of course. But like she, from as a kid looking at that, thought it was such a, a big deal and when we were, when my mom died and we were like splitting up the stuff, it's like, well, who's going to get the silver, the silver urn, you know, because it was a big deal in their family. And I think uh apparatuses, cassoles, as it were, because cassoulet is obviously the recipe, sorry. The cassole gets passed down through families, right? does.
1: So yes. do you think
2: about <laughs> Sylvie, who's going to get, who's going to inherit your cassoles? Ha, that's a really good question. Um, I mean, the whole, you know, the whole thing of the family home looms, um, so much in my story. Um, so, you know, on the cover of the book, there is a mansion here. Um, and it's actually, uh, sort of the house, it it is the house where I grew up. It's sort of a mini Downton Abbey with 36 rooms. So, um, my mother still lives there. She's 97 years old and, um, and, uh, you know, what we're going to do after she passes, I, I have no idea. So I can't even think about my own estate because there's going to be, um, you know, a lot of things there. But there's no castle in that house because that was not the way we ate. You're right. Yeah. And you talk about that. Um, I I think that
0: this book is really charming. It's the subheading is food, France, family, and the stew that saved my soul. When did you know that your soul like needed saving as it were? Like, did you feel like you were having that exploration all the way along? And is that why it took 10 years to kind of get this on paper?
2: I think I knew that my soul uh, needed saving way before. I think I knew my family was not what it tried to be, what it showed the world. Um, very quickly as a child I had this sort of anxiety that something could happen and it often um, you know came from my mother who's a holocaust survivor Mm -hmm. Um, so now people are thinking wait a minute what what's this book about there's so so many things Um, and it yes it's true there are many different things family secrets and uh, and all of that Um, and the question is you know Did Casule save my soul? I think we'll we'll ask the readers uh, what they think when, you know, after they read it.
0: Well, and there is this whole idea now of inherited trauma, trauma that like literally someone experiences trauma in a profound way and at the cellular level somehow they are able to transfer those traumatic experiences cellularly, which is just mind-blowing, really. And and we wonder, like we grow up in these family environments and we wonder why, what, why it is and what it is we're carrying forward. And then we have our own children and, you know, you model behavior that you saw or that you made. And it's really hard and so you have to be super intentional to break out of those molds that I don't even think you realize you're in them until you're you know, 40, 50, 60 years old and looking at the totality of your life. So I love a memoir. Was it, did it feel uncomfortable writing it?
2: No, it didn't.
0: Did it feel healing?
2: No, it didn't feel healing either. It just was what I needed to do. Yeah. Just like matter of fact,
0: get it out there. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I love it. Now there's recipes in here. You can match it with the clay coyote casole that Morgan has made and Morgan, we can find these on your website. I'm
1: assuming you can. Yes. And in person here in Hutchinson.
0: Okay. Yeah. I I haven't come down yet. I need to come down for (laughs) the big, what's the big spring, uh, clay fest.
1: Uh, well the Minnesota pottery festival is in July. That's it.
0: Okay. July. I need to get that one on my calendar.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: But maybe on your calendar, you should also put the event that we have coming up because um, I'm going to Minneapolis. And when do you come? Morgan, do you want to give? Oh, yeah, of course.
1: So Sylvie is joining us at um, Alliance Francaise for a panel on Monday, February 27th at 6 p.m. Um, I'll be there with um a renowned chef from Minneapolis, um Vincent. Um, and I'm really Frank bad cool. at Francool. Yep. <laughs> I'm working on it. Um and um and then uh Lynn Rosetta Casper is our moderator for the evening. So it's just gonna be a wonderful conversation between the four of us. And then Um, And then there'll also be some cassoulet on hand so (laughs) that everybody, once we've talked about food for a while, we can all um, make, we can satisfy our intrigue. And the, um, the event is for members only. So when you go on the website to buy a ticket, you have to create a profile first. And then once you create a profile, you can check out. Um, Or, and I spoke with them earlier today, they said that one of the best ways to buy a ticket is to call and the number is um, 612-332-0436 and you can just buy your tickets over the phone. It's $60 for the evening and that includes a copy of the book for everyone who comes and Sylvie will be doing a signing as well. Um, and I, we've, we've had the opportunity to do a couple of these conversations, right, Sylvie? And they're, um, it's, it's inspirational. And again, it makes you hungry. <laughs> yeah, and absolutely. Gonna be a great evening. Okay. Well, I will put all this information in the
0: show notes and the phone number and how people can get tickets. And thank you for joining me. Thank you for sharing your memoir with me. I'm really excited about it, Sylvie. And I'll thank send you, you an time email time. when I finish. Yes,
2: I, you better. You better. I imagine and, I will finish on Sunday. Sounds great. <laughs> right. Sounds great. And I hope to see you when when I come.
0: Absolutely. And thank you, Morgan, for having the forethought to call me and say, "Hey, I think this is a story you want to know about." Because you were absolutely right.
1: Oh, wonderful! Thanks for having us. All right, we'll see you guys soon. All right. Bye bye. Okay. bye. Bye.